last week we began a new series of messages and our life groups who began meeting last week, some will begin meeting this week, they are also studying this same material. There was a book written last year by a guy named, a pastor named Craig Groeschel. He's in Oklahoma and he wrote a book called The Christian Atheist. That sounds like, like I said last week, sounds like an oxymoron. Uh, but a Christian atheist is, and what it is, is that someone, anyone, who claims to be a follower of Jesus, but then lives their life as if God does not exist. So you say you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've even been baptized, maybe you give your money, you serve, you're here at church every week, but there's certain areas of your life where you live as if God doesn't exist. It's kind of like being married but then living in a different house than your husband and wife and y'all are both dating other people. That's not really not what, you're not living the life of a married person, but you're married, right? And sometimes as followers of Christ, we have a tendency to, we've accepted Christ, we, we believe that He's changed us, but then there's certain areas of our life where we just continue to live as if we've never had an experience with Jesus whatsoever. And what I told you last week was that everything uh, in these eight weeks we're going to study, and if you're in the, in the life group, there's 12 chapters, so there's going to be four topics we're not even going to cover here that we cover on Sunday mornings, that if, if you, as you read through that book or as you listen to these messages, what you're going to find is chances are at least one, maybe more of these weeks is going to apply to you. There might be a week where I talk about something and you say, man, I've got that under control. That's not a problem for me. But chances are the next week it's going to be something that hits you right where you live and, and, and it's something that you, you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I do that or I don't do that. And so we're going to talk about one of those today. Today we're going to talk about I believe in God, but I don't pray. I believe in God, but I don't pray. Now, when, when you hear that, uh, you might think, well, you know, prayer's pretty basic, isn't it? I mean, prayer, really, for a follower of Christ, prayer should be the most basic, fundamental thing that there is because it, it's really just communicating with God. But it, the reality is, is many people who are followers of Christ, many people who come to church regularly, uh, they rarely pray, really. Now, uh, bless, we're not talking about saying the blessing, all right? Uh, I got a buddy of mine, he always laughed about the fact that for years his dad said the exact same blessing, I mean word for word, the same blessing, but he said on Thanksgiving and Christmas he'd add like an extra sentence on it. That was it. And for years it was the same thing. And, and we do that with the blessing, don't we? We just kind of say the same thing and it's, it's just really a formality before we eat. So I'm not talking about praying like the blessing, but I'm talking about there's, for, in reality, a lot of us, if we're followers of Christ, we're followers of Christ, but we don't really spend a lot of time communicating with God. We don't spend a lot of time praying. And then sometimes, even when we do pray, we don't really believe anything's going to happen. It's like, well, I'm going to do this as a last resort, and it's probably not going to work. But we pray, and then we get done praying, and we think, well, that didn't really do any good, and we go on with our day. Now, I told you a while ago that, that every week, you know, we'll hit on something, and chances are one of those weeks will apply to you. Well, I'm going to just be confessional here today and let you know, this week really applies to me. And I know you're thinking, what a minute, wait, Cliff, you're a pastor. And I know you think as a pastor, a great man of God right? That you have this image of me with prayer that, that you probably, until I just told you that, you probably thought Cliff rises at 3 a.m. and he spends two hours in prayer kneel, kneeling down on thumbtacks, you know, to punish himself for his sins. And, 
And then, you know, then I go into the office and I spend so much time in Scripture and then I pray again for a long time. And then as each staff member arrives at the office, I go to each office and I spend an hour in prayer with each staff member about their lives and their needs. And then I work all day and at the end of the day, before it's all done, Donnie and I gather together and we pray for two more hours for the needs of the community. I'm sure that's probably what some of you thought, right? But in reality, and, and if that was true, I'd probably be a lot better pastor than I am. But the reality is, for me, prayer has always been difficult for me. It is, always has been, and chances are it probably always will be. I've gotten better at it, but it's never been a very natural thing for me. I have a hard time uh, staying focused. I know some of you can't believe that. <clears throat> but when I, I, a story that I can really relate to in Scripture is, uh, maybe you, you'll remember this, the night before Jesus was crucified, remember he goes to the garden and he takes Peter, James, and John with him, his three top guys, and he says, stay here and pray for me. I'm going to go over here and deal with God on my own, but you stay here and pray for me. And he comes back, and what does he find them doing? They're asleep. I can really, I can really relate to those three guys because if I try to spend a long, long time in prayer, I get unfocused and I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. I have a hard time praying for the same thing for a long period of time. I believe I should ask God for it, and it, I'd open my eyes, and it's there, right? I mean, that's the way I think sometimes. So I have a hard time praying for the same thing over and over again. I really have a hard time praying in a group and holding hands because I'm going to have to scratch something at some point in there. And so the whole time, while this, this guy over here who's really spiritual, he's praying for lost people in Africa, all I can think is, is i got to scratch my neck, you know, or whatever. Um, so... So prayer for me, I understand. And so when I, what I want you to know is today, when I speak to you today about prayer, um, that, that I'm right there with you on this. That I understand, I believe in the importance of it, but the day-to-day practical living it out, I have to, I have to work hard at to make, that, to make that go in my life. And maybe you're the same way. So what I want us to do today is we're going to look at the words of Jesus when it comes to, comes to prayer. I mean, personally, I think that's probably the best words of anybody to look at. And Jesus had a lot to say about prayer in the New Testament. And, and one of the, the biggest reasons why we should pray uh, before we get into anything else is because when Jesus was on this earth, he prayed a lot. And he's God in the flesh. And if he felt the need to pray a lot while he was a human, I think we probably need to pray way more than even that. Uh, because if, if he did it, I know we need to do it even more. So I want you, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. So if you've got a Bible, look towards the second half of the Bible. Matthew, chapter 6. And I'm going to read some verses, and we'll talk for a while, and then I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to end up reading a, a good bit of Matthew, chapter 6, and, uh, and we'll talk about it. And let me tell you this, as we talk today, my desire for you during this message is not to walk out of here and say, wow, prayer is important. I mean, that, I, I want you to think that, but you, chances are you already think that. My desire for you at the end of this message is to have some practical advice and, some, and something that will actually make you want to pray tomorrow. That, that when you get ready to do it, you'll think, I can pray. I'm qualified to pray. Because I think sometimes we think as believers we're not spiritual enough or we don't know what we're going to say or we're going to misspeak and God's going to zap our vocal cords and we won't be able to speak again or whatever. So look at Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5. Matthew 6, starting with verse 5. 
I love how Jesus starts this and he says, and when you pray. He's just assuming that we already understand prayer is important. It's not if you decide to pray, but when you pray. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I think one of the things that Jesus is telling us in this passage is that prayer should be honest and to the point. Prayer should be honest and to the point. We're, like I said before, prayer is simply communicating with God. It's making, uh, making a connection with God by just communicating with Him. Talking to Him, hearing from Him. That's what prayer is. And I don't know about you, but when it comes to communication between human beings, I like it honest and to the point. I like it straight. I like to, let's get down to business, let's talk about what we got to talk about. There was a, there was a guy that, um, that sends me emails sometimes, and he's one of these guys that believes don't say in 50 words what you can say in 500 words. I mean, he, his emails, I'll open them up and it's like, oh my goodness. And, and I'll, it'll take me 30 minutes to read one. And, and I have before opened up one of his emails, deleted it, and called him on the phone and said, what did that email you just sent me say? Because I don't have time to read it. I mean, because it's, to me, it's like, I know he's got one thing he wants to ask me, but he has to go through this whole long explanation. I'm like, dude, get to the point. And, and with, with our prayer, it's the same way sometimes. What, what Jesus is saying there is, is that, that we need to get to the point with our prayers. Now, I know, I know that some of you grew up in church, and if you grew up in church and you had a deacon in your church who prayed like this, I want you to raise your hand. Did you have a deacon who prayed King James Version prayers, you know, like Shakespeare had written his prayer? I had some guys like that in my church, you know, and they would stand up there, our most gracious heavenly Father, thou hast blessed us with this bountiful harvest. We now beseech thee to, you know, and it's like, I'm sitting there listening to it going, I don't even know what you're talking about, right? And, and, uh, and so sometimes we grow up hearing that stuff and we think, we're not qualified to pray because we don't even know what beseech means, right? And so we think, how can I pray? Because it doesn't sound good. Now, but look at what, look at what uh, Jesus says in verses 7 and 8. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let me let you in on a secret. God's not impressed with our wordy prayers. I'm impressed. When I heard those guys pray, I wanted to be like that. But God's not impressed. He, God, what He wants is He wants us to come to Him with an honest heart and make a connection with Him, just being honest and to the point. I love in verse 6 where, where Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. So He's making the point here that honesty matters. What he's saying is, it's okay to pray in public. I mean, if someone calls on you to pray before a meal or in church, you're not supposed to say, I'm sorry, I believe that I only pray privately. You can pray in public, but what, what Jesus is saying there, not only should you pray in public, but you should spend a lot of time praying in private about stuff that you never want to pray about in public. 
go into your room, close the door, nobody's here, and it's just you and God, and you're talking to Him about that garbage that's in yourself, that stuff that's in your heart that you don't want your mama to know about that you don't want anybody else to hear about, and you're dealing with God on that stuff. It's got to be honest. And as you talk about that, you just get straight down to business with God, and you begin to be honest and to the point with Him. And then probably my favorite part of this, these verses is verse 8, <clears throat> when he says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. If you've got any reservations about being completely honest with God, you can get over that because He already knows. That nasty thing that you don't want to talk to Him about, He already knows about it. He saw you do it. And so, why not be honest with Him? He already knows. Why not be honest with Him about what you need? He already knows what you want to ask Him for. He already knows. And the cool thing is, not only does he already know, but he's already working to make some of those things happen in your life. And so much of what prayer is, is us connecting with him and beginning to understand what he's already doing in our lives. And so sometimes, there, I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've prayed about something to God, and then just as things began to develop, I realized, you know what, God was working on this six months ago, and I just started praying about it last week. But he already knew that I was going to need that, and he was already moving towards it. And so being honest with God should become something that's natural for us, because he already knows us. We should be honest with him, because we've got no secrets with him. Now the second thing that I want us to look at at prayer today, and this we're going to move on to, to Matthew 6, 9, and that is this. Jesus gave us a model to go by. When it comes to prayer, <clears throat> Jesus gave us a model to go by. Here's the model prayer that Jesus gave us. Chances are you've heard of this before. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, what I love about this prayer is that Jesus is extremely specific about why he prayed it. Now, if you read through the New Testament, which I want you to read through the New Testament on your own. Please read through the New Testament on your own without me just waiting to hear what I, I say about it. But if you read through the New Testament, you read through the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call those the Gospels, which means good news. When you read through those four, they contain the teachings of Jesus. And one of the things you'll notice, excuse me, in the teachings of Jesus is very oftentimes he's not real specific. Sometimes he's intentionally vague because he wants his listeners to learn for themselves. And so he'll tell parables which is a story with a meaning behind it he'll tell a parable and then he'll leave it at that and and people are standing there thinking all right we got to figure this thing out very oftentimes that's the way he teaches but when it comes to this prayer what does he say then in verse 9 he says this then is how you should pray in other words he's saying listen do it like this this is not vague this is not it's something you got to figure out later this is very specific i want you to pray and when you pray i want you to pray like i'm praying right now now you know this as <clears throat> what do you know this as what do they call it the lord's prayer right uh, maybe you had it um sung at your wedding you know our father you know <clears throat> all that stuff maybe um 
Chances are a lot of you have got it memorized. And as I was saying it, you were saying it in your mind. But you were saying it in the King James, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Which I don't understand in the King James, hallowed is hallowed. But in the NIV, it's hallowed, but it's the same word. But anyway, so you've got it memorized. You're familiar with it. If you grew up in the Catholic Church, uh, I know you've got it memorized because you would go to confession and you'd say, I did this, and the, and the priest would say, okay, say the Lord. And he would say, our, they call him our fathers. Say this many our fathers. And to get out of the sin, you would say, our Father which art in heaven, how the, and you'd go through that thing just as fast as you could. You know, I had a buddy of mine that grew up Catholic, and he said, man, he could say the Lord's Prayer in like 10 seconds. He got so good at it because 150 Our Fathers, he'd have that done in like two minutes and go on with the rest of his day. And, and it's okay to have that prayer memorized. It's okay to pray that prayer to God if you mean it in your heart. But when Jesus prayed this prayer, he never intended for us just for the rest of our lives just to say this over and over again and that be our only prayer. It's kind of like I got a friend of mine one time who got a call from a telemarketer. And the telemarketer, you know... What, whatever, you know, he said, if he was calling me, he'd say, uh, Mr. Marshall, hey, may I please speak to Mr. Marshall? Now, usually, me, if it's a telemarketer, I say, he's not here, and I hang up. But, but this person said, yes, this is him, or whatever, and he said, hi, my name is insert name, and, and no lie, he said that, and then went on with his spiel. And my buddy actually stopped him and said, hey, I think you were supposed to put your name, you were supposed to say your actual name there in the insert name thing. This is a guy who'd been hired, and he's literally reading the script, and it doesn't mean anything to him. He's just passing the day, right? Sometimes with the Lord's Prayer, it's kind of like that for us. If we just say it, it doesn't mean, we don't, we don't think about what the words mean, and we're just saying it. It's like, uh, our Father, which insert name here, that kind of a thing. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to us. And so instead of when Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, he didn't mean repeat that prayer for the rest of eternity. What he mean was, pray like this. Take the elements that are in this prayer, and then you put them in your own words about what's going on in your own life. So what I want to do right now is I'm going to go, we're going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to talk about the elements in the Lord's Prayer and talk about how we can integrate those into how we pray. The first thing, look at verse 9. Let me read that again. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The first element in prayer should be worship it should be worship now when we hear worship what do we think about we think about what the band did a while ago man we had an awesome time of worship sunday and then cliff got up and he gave the message right we we think that worship is limited to singing but worship that is what we do up here is is worship is one form of it but worship is simply acknowledging who god is and understanding who he is so when when Jesus said there, hallowed be your name, he's saying to him, God, you are almighty. You're, you're the great one. And, and that's what worship is. It's acknowledging who he is. Now, I know a while ago I said we're not supposed to use fancy words and hallowed be your name sounds kind of fancy. So put it in terms you can understand. God, you know everything. I think that's awesome. When you look at the mountains or the ocean, God, you made this and that's amazing to me. You're the creator. God, you're really cool. You're awesome. You're great. Whatever word you use for something that's amazing, say that. Tell God that's what he is. So the first element in, 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 in a prayer is worship, just acknowledging who God is. Now the second one, it follows right up on it. Look at verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. The second element in a prayer is knowing your place. 
You've already acknowledged who God is. Now you need to know your place. One of the greatest wrestlers of all time, The Rock, he used to say, know your role and shut your mouth. I used to love it when he'd say that. And, and knowing your role, that's, that's part of prayer, is knowing our role. Understanding that not only do we acknowledge who God is, but now we understand that God's up there and we understand that we're not equal with Him. God, you're amazing and I'm not amazing. I'm not up there with you. I, I am, God, I am bowing to what you want for my life. We know our place. When it says there in verse 10, your kingdom come and your will be done, we're telling God, God, I give up my desires for your desires. Your will be done, not my will. Your kingdom come, not the kingdom I'm trying to build. I want to give up my desires. I want to give up my life for you. I know my role. You're the great God. I'm below you and I'm wanting you to change who I am. And I love when it says there on verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because what we're saying there is, right here where I live, God, right here where I work, the place where I go to school, the neighborhood I live in, the route that I drive to work every day, I want you to be in control of what's going on down here. And I know my role and I acknowledge your greatness. Now, let me say this. All these elements of prayer we're going to talk about they don't necessarily have to go in any order. You don't have to do worship first every time. But I really believe that the knowing your role part has to come before the next part. Because, well, I'll tell you why in just a second. Here's the next part, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. The next element of prayer is needs. It's needs. Of you letting God know what your needs are. Now, here's why I think knowing your role has to come before that. If we're acknowledging who God is and understanding our role in that, then it will change what we ask for. It will change what, what we tell God we need. And, and Now, when you think about prayer, chances are asking, you, you, you understand what asking in prayer is all about. But I think for a lot of Christians, for a lot of people who've grown up in church, asking God for things is a very misunderstood part of prayer. I think in a lot of cases that people tend to go to one extreme or the other when it comes to asking God for things. Some people only ask. That's all they do when it comes to prayer. They don't worship. They don't, they don't know their role. They don't know their place. But all they do is ask. And they tend to ask when they've gotten themselves in big time trouble. God, I hadn't spoken to you in a long time, but man, I need you to bail me out of this. God, I need you to do this for me. God, will you do this? That kind of thing. I had a, I had a kid one time it's a poor, stupid soul. He, he, he actually said to me, he actually said to me, I've been praying that my girlfriend wouldn't get pregnant. You know what I said to him? I said, I got a better idea. Quit having sex with her and she won't get pregnant. Forget praying about it, right? But he was dead serious. He, he didn't do anything else in prayer, but he was asking God, you know, as he's getting ready to go hook up with his girlfriend, God, I pray she won't get pregnant, you know. And then he goes and does that. And I thought, that's so stupid. Why would you even ask God for that, right? But sometimes, so we can be on that extreme where all we, all we do is ask God for things. But then I think there's another extreme where sometimes we as Christians fall into. We feel like that it's wrong to ask God for things. We're afraid we're going to be selfish if we ask God for things. And sometimes we even think maybe we're a little more spiritual if we don't ask God for things. Now, I think some, and, and listen, parents, I know I do this same thing, but I think some of this comes from our parents, all right? I'm not blaming my parents, 
But I think some of this comes from our parents because as parents, what do we do to our kids? We tell our kids never to ask for anything, right? Imagine if you're at a friend's house and your, your kid's standing there and your kid looks at your friend and says, can I have your dog? I mean, what are you going to do? Or, you know, or, or you, they come out and say, I asked my best friend if he would give me his Xbox 360. I mean, as soon as we get in the car, we're like, what is the matter with you? You don't ask for things at somebody's house? Haven't I raised you? I mean, that's what we'll do to our child if we do that. Because we tell them, don't ask for things. It's wrong. And, and not only don't ask for things, if somebody tries to give you something, don't take it. No, 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 I don't need that, right? And that's, and that's kind of natural. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that to our kids. But I think we grow up sometimes in the church thinking that, well, we really can't, can't ask, for, ask God for the things we need. But in verse 11, Jesus says there, give us today our daily bread. Jesus says the most basic thing that you need, you can ask God for it. I mean, what is more basic than daily bread? And, he, and, and I love that it's give us today our daily bread because that means I'm asking God for it today and I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to ask him for it again that day. And Jesus, and Jesus talked a lot about asking for things in the Bible. Um, and, and really, what he just continued to talk about over and over again is that nothing is too small or too basic. And, and I love it because Jesus taught us that not only should we ask, but we should ask boldly. Not only should we ask, but we should ask boldly. There's a, there's a parable in Luke chapter 11, and, and uh, I'm going to read you just the last two verses of it in a minute. You don't have to turn to it, but go home and read it for yourself. Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And, um, and th- Jesus tells this story, and he tells a parable about a man who needs something in the middle of the night. So he goes to his neighbor's house, and he knocks on the door in the middle of the night to wake up his neighbor to ask him for something. And, and it talks about how the guy finally gets up and he gives the neighbor what he wants, even though he's waking him up in the middle of the night, even though he's already in bed with his kids in bed and all that stuff. It says he finally gets up. And look at what Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 8, about why that happened. Verse 8, he says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man, say it with me, boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. And then I love how Jesus finishes this parable because he just gets real specific. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. See, if we don't ask God for things, it's, it, we're not super spiritual. What we are is we're very impractical and we're very ignorant of what God has taught in his word. Because what Jesus says is, not only do I want you to ask, but I want you to boldly ask. I want you to ask God day after day after day. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread again tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. I need you, God, and I need you to meet my needs because I can't do this on my own. And so now I know probably you're, you're beginning to think, okay, won't we get selfish if we do that? Won't we become just these selfish people? And, and maybe we'll even start off asking God for good things, and then it'll turn into, you know, I was asking him for good things, and the next thing I know, I was asking him for a Lamborghini and a house at the beach, and it was just really selfish or whatever. That's why, going back to the first two verses of the Lord's Prayer, that's why acknowledging God and knowing our role is so important. If you know your place and you acknowledge God, then when you begin to ask, your prayers for asking will not be selfish. 
And, and, and that, so that's so important because what we'll begin to do is we'll begin to realize that we're just a small part of this big story that God's writing, a small part of this big plan. All right, look at verse 12. Next part, element of prayer. Verse 12 says, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. The next element of prayer is asking forgiveness and checking our heart. Asking forgiveness and checking our heart. Again, this is a type of acknowledgement. In verse 12, when he says, forgive us our debt, we acknowledge, we go to God and we say to him, I acknowledge that I've willingly done wrong. God, it wasn't accidentally. I'm not making any excuses. It's not anybody else's fault. I willingly, willfully, with full knowledge, I broke your commandments. I broke your laws. I sinned against you. I knew I was going to do it. I willingly did it. And I'm asking you for forgiveness for me doing that. Now, if you'll notice in verse 12, what does it say there? Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now listen real close to this. God forgiving us is not dependent upon us forgiving someone else. Let's don't get misunderstanding. Let's don't get, get a misunderstanding about this. God will forgive you if you have yet to forgive someone else. But why we, this is what we should pray to God. This is not what God's telling us. But what Jesus is telling us is what we should say to God is, God, as I'm asking you to forgive me, I want you to bring to my mind people that I have yet to forgive. And, God, I want to go so far as to say, only forgive me to the level that I'm willing to forgive someone else. Now, next week, we're going to talk about, I believe in God, but I refuse to forgive. And you definitely need to be here for that. Because one of the things I've learned about myself, and I've learned about followers of Jesus over the years of working in church, is that those of us who claim to believe in Jesus, we totally ignore all the stuff about forgiving people. Because we think we've got a right to hold on to all that bad stuff that's happened to us. But when we pray, what Jesus says is, we should pray and say, God, I need to be forgiven, but not only do I want to be forgiven, but I want to forgive others, and I need you to help me to do that. So it's not just asking for forgiveness, it's also checking our heart and, and, and making sure that, that we're where we're supposed to be in relationship to other people. Because whether, whether we want to believe it or not, our relationships with other people affect our relationship with God. And if you've got a problem with someone else, you're going to have a hard time praying. And if you're holding a grudge and you've got bitterness and hatred and anger in your heart, you're going to have a hard time worshiping. You're going to have a hard time reading the Scripture because it clogs up our relationship to God. And so we've got to get that stuff out of the way and get it unclogged. Verse 13, the last element of prayer. Verse 13, Jesus says, And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. The last element of prayer is help me grow spiritually. Help me grow spiritually. See, this can be a real forgotten element of prayer because we're real good at the daily needs stuff. We're real good at, God, I need your help in this. I need your help in that. You know, I'm going broke. I'm, I got to hire somebody. I got to fire somebody, whatever it might be. I just got fired. I just got hired. We're real good at, at the daily needs stuff. But a lot of times we overlook the deeper things to say, God, I need to understand your word. I, I, need to, I need to hear your voice, God. Lord, when I worship, 
I want to be able to not be distracted anymore and totally focus on who you are. Whatever those deeper spiritual issues might be for you. God, I need your help to forgive this person. Whatever those things might be. And, we need, and, and, and God says we should not only, not only can we come to him and ask him, we should be daily asking him for help me to grow. Help me to become a man of God. Help me to become a woman of God. Help me to follow you no matter where you live. To hear your voice. To be sensitive to your spirit. And we need to be bringing those things to him. So, so we've talked about what some elements of prayer is. Now as we get ready to finish up, let me ask you this question. When should we pray? When are we supposed to pray? When should we pray? Well, how many of you have ever tried to memorize Scripture and you just had a hard time because it was really wordy and all that? Raise your hand if you've been in that situation. I mean, I have. I want to give you a verse of Scripture today that you will have memorized before you left. And it's the whole verse, all right? 1 Thessalonians. In fact, where the verse is found is almost longer than the verse itself. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, Pray continually. Two words. Say it with me. Pray continually. When should you pray? All the time. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, Cliff. How do we pray all the time? You know, what are we supposed to do that? Well, and you just said a while ago that long prayers, God's not impressed with long prayers. Listen, the length of your prayers isn't important, but how often you pray is important. The length of your prayers isn't important, but how often you pray is very important. This is what he means when he says pray continually. The Apostle Paul wrote this. When he said pray continually, what he was talking about was this. You wake up in the morning, begin your morning before you get out of bed or before you get out of the shower, you know, if it takes you a minute to speak or whatever as you're, you know, getting in the shower. But, but whatever, spend five minutes, ten minutes, thirty minutes, however long, spend some time praying, just asking God, acknowledging who he is, knowing your role, you know, asking about some basic needs, talk, you know, asking for forgiveness of sins. Just spend some time doing that. And then when you get done, you're not done praying for the day. You might be done right then, but it's like you've signed on, and now, okay, God, I'm signing on now, and for the rest of the day, I'll be continuing to check in. And so it's like you sign into a chat room or something on the Internet, and you just keep it up all day long, right? And so as you're on your way to work, you, something comes to your mind, you pray about it. You see somebody at work. And you know they've got issues in their life. You say a prayer for them silently as, as they're approaching you. And so pray continually means you continue throughout the day just to have an ongoing conversation with who God is. You talk to Him, you allow Him to talk to you. And so you sign on and you continue to pray. Now what do you pray about? What did we talk about earlier? You can pray about anything and everything. If it's of concern to you, you can take it to God. Now I want us to close the message by doing something where you have to interact here, all right? Um, I don't know if any of you have ever been to church at a at a African American or black church. If you ever been to church like if you've been, ever been to church like that, uh, it's awesome. And uh, and the band never leaves the stage. And so like right in the middle, the pastor goes, "Wow, you know, and Lord, you got to rise up, you know, and all that kind of stuff." And so he gets to talking, and the congregation says something back to him, and all this stuff. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to say something with me. Really, I don't want you to say yes. All right, go ahead. All right, just do a little bit of better. I want you to say yes. All right, now this is what I'm going to do, all right? I'm going to be the pastor. You're going to be the congregation, which is really what you already are. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about a situation and ask whether we should pray for it or not. And you're going to say, now, here's what I know about white people. Right now, y'all are real excited about this. When I get to about item number 12 on the list, it's going to be, yes, yes, you know, like that. 
I want you to imagine for just a moment that you are not white, all right? And if you're not white, what happens is item number 12, the yes is louder than item number one on the list, all right? And so because I want us to walk out of here today understanding that we can pray about anything and everything. Not only can we pray, we should pray, and God wants us to pray about that, all right? So let's do it. Get ready to say your yes, all right? Oh, okay, uh, I, I, got, I was driving the other day in my car, and I realized that I need a set of new tires. Should I pray about that? Yes. I, I, my kid is failing algebra, and I've got to find them a tutor. Should I pray about that? Yes. My grandma is sick, and she is in the hospital, and she is dying. Should I pray about that? i got a neighbor who is just as lost as he can be, and I know that when he dies, he's going to go to hell if I don't tell him about Jesus. Should I pray about that? I hate my job. Should I pray about that? i got a co-worker who is lonely because their husband just died, and every day they go home to an empty house. Should I pray about that? I'm worried all the time about everything. Should I pray about that? I think I'm addicted to the Internet because I can't get off of Facebook. Should I pray about that? I think I'm getting a cold because I woke up this morning, I got a sore throat and a fever. Should I pray about that? I got to put my dog to sleep this afternoon and it's going to kill my kids. Should I pray about that? Whatever is going on in your life, you can pray about it. God wants you to pray about it. Not only does he want you to ask for things, he wants you to ask boldly. And praying to him is a way to connect. And you need to be connected to God and I need to be connected to God. So don't be a Christian atheist that says, I believe in God, I follow Jesus, but I don't pray. I'm going to say a prayer for us. The band's going to come up, and I want us to get excited about singing this final song. Bring someone to church with you next week, because we're going to do this all again next Sunday morning. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful that you taught us how to pray when you were here on this earth. You taught us how to communicate with you. And Lord, I confess to you that sometimes I get way ahead of myself and I try to do things without praying. And and Lord, I want you to remind me day after day that I need to make a connection with you through prayer. I need to worship you. I need to know my place. I need to tell you my needs. I need to confess my sins. I need to ask you to help me to grow spiritually. Thank you, God, that you are not a God that just created the universe and then took your hands off and we can no longer talk to you but you are a God that wants to connect with us day after day after day we give you the praise because you are the great God and we ask you to meet our needs because we can't do it ourselves, and we believe you can do everything and we ask these things in Jesus name Amen